At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Hello and welcome to another episode of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. I'm Alexander Rossi. What's it called? Uh, Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. I'm thinking it should be called Off Track with Rossi and Hinch. Look, I'm not against think, a name. I think I should be in there somewhere. Absolutely not. Okay, you're replaceable. We are not. So <laughs> that's not. Uh, James, you were literally not on last week. We literally replaced you last week. No, we didn't replace him. We did it. <laughs> We Without had a, him. We had a single host and a single guest. We didn't have two co-hosts correct. running the show. 100% correct. You did the same thing that you always do. You Which talked at nothing. the wrong time. And <laughs> oh, no. I wasn't saying I replaced him. I was saying we replaced him with Connor. No. No, we did not. Connor was a guest. He was not a host. I just, Connor didn't I just wish we did. any content or, you know, construct the episode in a way that would appeal to fans he like just, James and I do. He just answered questions that the host, Alex, asked. Yeah, and and had to come up with by myself because my producer, Thim, didn't prepare anything. And furthermore, nobody asked you. And s- furthermore, again. Furthermore. <laughs> extra further. <laughs> um, furthest more. I wasn't done with my introduction of our first ever guest <laughs> list episode you heard me right guest list not guest list episode of off track with hinch and rossi because again our producer them isn't capable of fulfilling his job description but before we get to that off track with hinch and rossi is a cast box original cast box is the fastest growing and highest rated podcast app on both ios and android where you can find all your favorite podcasts you can listen to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi wherever you get your podcasts, but we hope you'll give CastBox a shot because, well, we think it's the best. So in lieu of having a guest because Thim can't do stuff. He's incapable. Do we like, do we just like talk about the news? We should talk, yeah, current events. I used to do that in high school. Did you? Yeah. Like a class? Yeah, I literally had to like each week write a paper on an essay on the current events and attach like the newspaper clipping or the internet clipping that I got it. Every week? Every, maybe it was every two weeks. What grade was this in? Well, high school, so nine to 12. That sent the whole, all four years you had to do that? Yeah, it was current events. The whole career in high school you had to do that? Yeah, that for, sounds for the depressing. two years I did it. For the, oh, right. <laughs> you were one of those kids. Now I understand. Now I understand. But Still. I was very up to current event news. And like, do, you, do you keep track of the news today? Absolutely not. So you wouldn't know, for example, that... Uh, well, so this was funny. The... Uh, 
Like, Apparently, so, you don't either. No, no. So the, so the other day, the other day, Becky and I finally watched, um, was it called The Founder? That Michael Keaton movie about how McDonald's. Oh, the McDonald's movie. Yeah. yeah. Mac- Michael Keaton, Nick Offerman. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which, by the way, Nick Offerman without a mustache, not for me. So th- this one caught my eye because I had just watched the, the movie The Founder and all, learned all about how, you know, McDonald's was started. Um, so it turns out, you know the Monopoly game that they play at McDonald's? Oh, I love it. I love that game. Like like McDonald's, like the I want a quarter pounder with cheese? Or is that Burger King? Yes. That's, that's, that's McDonald's. But no, they have like, you know, you get like your fries and your drinks and they have the little the little tabs you rip off. And James, like let Monopoly. me tell you something. I wasn't allowed to go to McDonald's until I was 16. Okay. I didn't have McDonald's until I was 16 years old. You okay. think I now just frequent it? Okay. So for the rest- Literally of- couldn't be made more for me. Like I love <laughs> terrible food for you and the game Monopoly. I love whenever they play that game. I want I want the world to know. Normally I don't address Thim's existence at all on this show, but I want the world to know that Thim doesn't have one impressive thing to his name. He has- Hazel? Two impressive things to his name. <laughs> he has his beautiful daughter, Hazel- yeah. Uh, the other the other thing that Thim owns is a he, a collection of Monopoly boards. Now I'm I'm going to be outright and upfront on this. The game Monopoly infuriates me. I hate it. And and Thim's about to jump in and say because played, everybody right? plays it wrong. Yeah, exactly. Everybody uh, plays it wrong. Right, and that's fair. And I agree with you. But I, I like the fact that you have collected what sixty something boards now. 86. 86 boards now of different themes and types and editions and things. Actually, I gave you one. You did? Um, Which one did you give me again? I forget. It was was the Honda Monopoly board. What the hell? Remember, it was the Honda one. (laughs) Oh, yes, you did. And it had the race car. Yeah. Honda had a Monopoly board? Honda had their own Monopoly. It may have been Honda Canada. I'm not sure if it was a U.S. thing. I don't remember. But uh, either way. So so Thim's an expert when it comes to Monopoly. Uh, I was not. So, or, yeah, sorry. So when, so when McDonald's plays Monopoly, I used to try and play it as a kid, and I'd always lose, and so I kind of lost interest. But it turns out that some guy, a la the dude that found out how to like cheat the system on The Price is Right, figured out how to scam the game. Okay. And Oh, yeah. It was that cop. He was like a cop, and he figured out how to like use the different locations, right? Right. And so it kind of takes the fun out of it for everyone. But what's so? What do you get if you win? Like, I mean, everything from money. yeah, from a from a Big Mac to like a million dollars. And he won a million dollars. He won millions. He skimmed it for so long. He won in, in accumulation of lots of different things and stuff. He just won lots James, of stuff. We need to be better at life. Like yeah. we need to. Like <laughs> here we are. Says the ass. Indianapolis five hundred champion. Yeah, no, I know, but I mean, McDonald's Monopoly pays more. <laughs> 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 yeah, there was an S on the end of that million word uh, with the Monopoly guy. Um, I, I dig- we digress. The fa- what, but what, what I found so fascinating is that, so like I've said for a long time that I feel like Hollywood's run out of ideas. Yes. And that's why there's so many sequels and, and trilogies like, and prequels and remakes. And, well, and like um, comic book movies. Yeah. Like like just, they're just resulting. There's 47 to, Marvel and DC movies yes. coming out in the next six days. Yes. And it's just, it's ridiculous. And so to almost further prove, so we're like where the story, the founder of how McDonald's started, yep. uh, you know, McDonald's started in the 50s, 60s, whatever it was. And the movie came out two years ago. The story of the guy that scammed the McDonald's Monopoly thing it was announced like two days after it was broken that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon are already working on the movie. 
that's a strong lineup to work on a movie, I gotta say. I mean, Goodwill Hunting was pretty solid. They were in that together. You know what else? They wrote that together. They wrote it. They, they won Oscars for it as yeah. writers. Mm. Um, Tim, you're kind of in the movie business in the fact that you live in LA, uh, and that's the only way. Um, <laughs> what, <laughs> let me know your professional opinion on this while we're, while we're talking about Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, because, you know, obviously highly. Uh, accoladed for Goodwill Hunting, but what did you think of Dogma? Oh, I loved it. I love Dogma. I thought that movie was very clever and very funny. Yeah, I I, I like a lot of Kevin Smith's early movies. Kevin's- I love Dogma, Mall Rats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I'm a big fan of those two together. So I'm excited to see what happens with the mystery cop breaking the McDonald's code. I've I've never heard of it. Nor have I heard of the founder, nor have I heard of McDonald's right. Monopoly. Don't worry. When we're done this show, I'll take you into one of my projection machines and we can watch Dogma <laughs> and the founder. I'm excited. This is good. Yeah. All right. So hang on, hang on. If 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 Ben Affleck and Matt Damon decide tomorrow they're going to make a story about one of you guys, who plays you guys? I think, oh. I think Ben Affleck plays you and Matt Damon plays me. <laughs> in, the, in the story of Off Track with Hinch and Rossi, the, the movie... The feature film. You're Ben Affleck. I'm Matt Damon. Do we only have... And I'm the fat kid from Hot Tub Time Machine. You don't... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, fair. But um, you're the guy who says you're killing me smalls from from Sandlot. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Less ginger. Uh, So do we have to choose between those two? No, so so let's just say if someone were to make a movie of, of your life, the story of Alexander Rossi, who would be... Uh, the actor that played Alexander Ross. Oh, so easy. Tom Brady. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So you're missing. I think you're missing the point. Nope. No, I'm not. No, I'm pretty sure you don't nope. get uh-uh. what we're trying to do here. Um, so we're talking about actors. Don't we're care. talking about people that and might. Ted, too. Tom Brady had a cameo. He was. He did a great job. So he played Tom Brady. Yep. So you, that's not acting. It is. Mm, okay. Hey, not everybody can do that. Did you see uh do you see 8 Mile? Yes. He could barely play himself in that movie. Technically, that was a character named B-Rabbit and it was totally different. <laughs> and frankly, I think he did a pretty decent job. I'm sorry, but Tom Brady chasing um Mark Wahlberg out of a window did a good job at it. Okay. My my question is, how does that translate to you? Oh, he's just the the, the 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 best guy ever. Okay. And like he's a re- there's literally a guy on a network show who looks exactly like you right now. Don't care. I don't I don't like to be associated with Satan. So <laughs> the fact that I could be associated with like five championships and three MVPs and, and a billionaire model wife. Yep. <laughs> also that I I'm big into it, man. Like why would you want anyone else to play you? Because that's not the point. You want a good movie. You want your story he's accurately pretty, told. He's not, mm. He's tall. He's brown haired. He's all of those he's things. He's healthy. He's all of those things he's more than fit. you. He's all of those things more than you. Yes. Taller, prettier, browner hair, healthier, more, fitter. Fitter, yeah. Exactly. Wealthier, more successful. But you want you're not, you're like, look, you're making yourself look worse in but, real life. But here's where I go to sleep at night. I'm okay. taller than you. Have darker hair than you, more successful than you, more talented than you. I get it. I didn't say that. No, I no, I did. I get it. I didn't say. I understand. That. Yeah. I, I see what you're getting at. So, so, anyways, Tom Brady, uh, who would play you, James? Okay, so, okay, 
And what? then let's do a battle royale of Tom Brady against whoever. That's not fair. Unless I unless I pick John Cena to play me, that's not fair. You're right. Which is why why wouldn't you want him to be the person that portrayed you, John Cena? Because no, he looks Tom nothing Brady. like me. <laughs> no, I, yes, I get it. In, okay. in case you come to a battle royale of people that played other people in real life situation, whatever. Um, okay, so if it if it came to who would play me in a movie. There's who people have told me should mm. play me in a movie and who I would want to play me Fair. in a movie. Okay, I'm ready. So I'll start with who people think should play me in I'm a movie. I'm just going to say Tom Brady fits both categories for me because... Literally I, no one other than you has said that Tom Brady should play you in a yeah, movie. Yeah, but no one has said that anyone else should play me in a movie. Okay. So. This, gonna, this isn't even a game, but somehow you've lost. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to put this on Twitter. We're going to ask the off-track fans in a poll... Who should play Alex in a movie, Tom Brady or any other, some other actor, somebody other than Tom Brady or not Tom Brady. We're going to put that on our Twitter at Ask Off Track. Finn, make that happen. Um, So people tell me that I kind of have some weird resemblance to Ed Norton. Okay. I, I don't necessarily. I don't get that. I mean, I'm not. I don't see it at all. Yeah. I'm just saying it. And I think he's a tremendous actor. And I think he could do a good job of playing a kind of neurotic, little bit goofy, sort of lanky, super pasty Canadian wannabe IndyCar driver. Uh, now, if it were up to me to just pick one, I'd pick Ryan Reynolds. Well, yeah. Because he's Cause, Canadian. Yep. He's taller better looking browner hair we're on the same wavelength pretty blonde wife exactly very funny witty charming Uh all of the things that i aspire to be Mm. except the blonde wife yeah it's 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 more of a dirty blonde kind of a light brown still i mean you're you're not gonna say no 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 james i i'm kind of surprised because there is somebody that you do kind of look like that you really like I, what about Justin Timberlake? Oh, Tim, that's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. Wow. Tim, I didn't say it. IndyCar said it. IndyCar did a doppelganger for you guys in like 2016. Who they, was they I? They picked Justin Timberlake I re- for you. I remember. I remember. Who and because, was I? Because you just gave away mm-hmm. credit for this, I'm going back to calling you Tim. I don't know if you noticed I had reverted to Tim in that moment, but I'm going I needed that. back to Tim. Alex, you weren't, uh, you weren't on there, I don't think. Yeah, I, it was uh, it was before you were in IndyCar. It was January uh, 2016, of 2016. I was I was I was there. So this was in January. I was. Mm, I wasn't there. You yet. weren't there yet. No, nope. you were not there yet. <laughs> um, what I will say is Justin Timberlake is uh, another one of my huge celebrity crushes. Terrible actor. Um, but when if push comes to shove, if we're talking about playing me in a movie, it's I'm gonna land on I'm gonna land on Ryan, Ryan over uh, Man, JT. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. I love JT to the to the moon and back. Sure, but, but Ryan's my boy. for sure. Yeah, you know I I kind of feel the same about Tom. You know, you guys are ridiculous. It's crazy. Why? I, okay, Tim, <laughs> I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do let's something. Play, let's hold on, choose hold on, someone. Hold on. I'm gonna do something that I never thought I would do on this show. I'm going to ask Thim's opinion on who you think would play you in a movie. I've already said Clark Duke, the kid from uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, you actually meant that. Oh, look at him. Look at him versus a picture of me. No, I've seen him. It's pretty It's pretty <laughs> spot on. I wasn't sure if <laughs> yeah, you were going to go with like an unrealistic one like Alex and I did. No, no, I'm not in some fantasy realm that you two live in. 
No, you're right. It's more not, likely Ryan Reynolds would play Clark me Duke. than Tom Brady would play you. You're right. I disagree. Tom Brady's going to retire soon. Ryan Reynolds has a list of movies he wants to be in. That's not the point. The point is Tom Brady is not an actor. He is. He, he was is in Ted too. As Tom Brady. Yeah. That's an act. That's not an act. I'm yeah. <laughs> it's an act. It's not an act. <laughs> no. Mark Wahlberg didn't actually break into his house. You don't know that. You're right. You don't know. You don't know how that was filmed. <laughs> You're right. That could have been a very edgy director. Mark that Wahlberg set up a, GoPros. He is a huge Patriots fan. He is. Yeah. Because he's from Boston. Yeah. I mean, that's Tom's Mark house. That's Tom's house. <laughs> uh, All right. So I think the conclusion to draw from here is you both live in some fantasy realm. Okay. Well, hold on. Uh, Again, we're gonna put a second <laughs> poll up on Twitter for the fans of at who was more precise. Who was closer? Tom Brady playing Alex. Yes. Obviously, that's the correct one. Or Ryan Reynolds, who is this megastar, unattainable, Deadpool, just superhero guy who's married to Blake Lively. So in his off time, he's certainly not going to be doing some charity work for James. It's no, he's getting paid big bucks because Steven Soderbergh is producing the story of my life. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, it's not a charity. It's not like I'm filming this with... My handheld handy cam. This is a proper Hollywood production. You know that if you would you're, get compensated. You know that if you're in a movie, Thim is going to somehow try and latch onto it because he lives in L.A. and thinks that. Gross. Yeah, absolutely. He should be involved. I made that. I made that very, very clear from the beginning. That's fair. You can be my Uber driver when I'm going from event to event. <laughs> no, you don't want that. From press junk. He no, crashed. He, crashed. While he, he parked. He rode <laughs> 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 wrote off his car in a parking lot, and he wasn't even moving. <laughs> Oh, okay. You guys want to compare Rex? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Mine saying, was I a documented a mechanical failure. Thank you very much. What about your wreck in Middle Ohio? That was all me. That was 100%. Okay. That was James <laughs> on James on James. There's no two what? ways about that. Hey, I'm confused, though. Hey, Alex, how are your donuts? <laughs> First of all, I should have gotten out of the car and said... Why is there a three-foot drop-off between an access road and the grass? Because imagine if someone went off track there. They did. Justin Wilson did that and broke his back. So okay. that, that legitimately should be so addressed. So talk about that. Yeah, yeah, that should be addressed. Let's digress from that. Anyways, um, how did that happen? You, your donuts? No. I don't know. Uh, the, well, I mean, just just complete failure in talent. Yeah. But like your <laughs> because like I watched the replay. Mm. You didn't do anything wrong. I broke too late. Really? Yeah. We also cranked in a couple of turns of front wing right before that run. More than a couple. Three. Three. Yeah. Okay. So that's not all James. It's there was it was a it was a t it was this, a group it's not decision. Like, it's not like it was you dropped think. a wheel no. or you were offline. You no. just that is sweet of you to say. I appreciate that. Uh, I mean, was, unlike turn three in Indy where you just forgot to turn it. <laughs> what is amazing to me, and I mean this, I mean this with the utmost sincerity, as Alex and Thim, despite what I say in public, you are two of my best friends. That will never not be funny to me. <laughs> when I watched it for the first time in Europe, when I watched it for the first time in Europe, I was in a car. I remember it specifically. I was with like my PR person for the team, my teammate, and my trainer. And we were like, oh my God, there was a huge wreck at Indy. And like they showed me the phone. I was like, just didn't turn in. Idiot forgot to turn. Like, this is offline. I, uh, it was three years ago. It nearly killed me. And I still find it hilarious. 
<laughs> and I'm, and I'm, I'm being very genuine. I love it. I think it's great. All right. So there's something I want to talk to you guys about. There's been a lot going on uh, lately about like fan interactions and which series kind of has the best. And, and I think a lot of people pretty widely recognize IndyCar's, if not the top, very close to the top in terms of fan interactions. So I just want to kind of get a sense for what that's like on your guys' side. Well, it's... Uh... It's a lot. It's a lot because it's um, it's pretty special because you see people who go above and beyond to kind of show their support. But then it's also a lot because, you know, while you have the responsibilities of obviously performing on track and, you know, looking after your your primary sponsor for the weekend and meeting all of the team's obligations, you you obviously want to pay close attention to the fans and and, um, you know, their needs throughout the weekend. And I mean, they're paying to come and, and watch a sporting event and to, to hang out with their favorite drivers. And, um, you know, sometimes they catch us in a moment between meetings or going to sessions. So, you know, you got to make sure that, that you still give them enough time um, to, to make their experience memorable. So it's for sure adds a different element uh, to our job description. But I think one that you know, we're all appreciative to, to have the opportunity to kind of re- represent our series and, and our teams. I remember the first year I got Twitter was my first year in Indy Lights. It was 2009. And I didn't totally understand what it was all about. But someone was like, yeah, you just got to tell everybody what you're up to kind of thing. And in Indy Lights, the way the schedule worked out, we had about a month off between races that year uh, at the end of the season. And I actually came down with appendicitis in that time. Luckily, it wasn't over a race weekend or where, you know, kind of in between where, where races would have fallen. So I, I had, I got appendicitis. I had surgery. I, I got it removed. I have an, an appendectomy, got it removed and, uh, and then that, and was fine for the next race. So when you got it, was it like horribly painful? It didn't tickle. Okay. It was, it wasn't pleasant. I, I, so at what things, point did you go to the doctor? So I woke up in the middle of the night. Yeah. And I thought, look, guys, this might be a family show, but I'm saying it. I thought I had to poop. Okay. Okay. So I think all families poop. Everybody poops. Yes. Literally everybody. So there's a book on that. Yeah. No, it's my favorite book. I uh, so I went to no sorry so I went to the bathroom, <laughs> but nothing happened. I'm like, okay, maybe I'm hungry. I feel kind of like it's like that kind of pain. I almost feel like really hungry. Okay. So I tried to eat something. That wasn't it. So I left my bedroom and I went down to the, to like the family room. I laid on the couch and just watched TV until seven o'clock in the morning or so. My dad was getting up to go to work and obviously surprised to see me on the couch. And, uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I really don't feel well. Like I, I thought it was this, I thought it was that. It's not either of those. Something's not right. And he goes, why? Let's go see our, our family doctor. But he doesn't, his clinic isn't open until eight 30. Okay. So I sat around and, and kind of, increasing amount of pain until about eight o'clock we drove there we stood outside the office there was three people i'll never forget there's three people in front of us waiting to go in and they saw me i was on the stairs i was on my hands and knees like oh boy trying to like breathe my way through the pain and they were like you 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 can go first like i just have a paper my nose is running you can go ahead of me yeah so i walked in the office and uh right when it opened 8 30 he tapped me on my left side. He goes, does that hurt I'm of my stomach? Sorry. And I said, no. He tapped me on the right side of my stomach. He goes, does that hurt? I'm like, that never, never do that. I will cut your hand off if you do that again. He goes, you got appendicitis. Go to the hospital. So I went to the hospital and by noon I was in surgery and I had my appendix out an hour later. So then, a, then did you poop? 
Uh, I mean, I hadn't eaten much, so I didn't poop for a while. Okay. But I was able to heal and get back to race. Anyway, so we go back to, it was, I think it was the last race. So we go to the last race sure. of the season. And I guess at some point I had tweeted a picture from the hospital bed as being like, just had an appendectomy, but good to go. But th- like I said, I just got Twitter. This was 2009, very new to the whole thing. And a fan came up to me at Homestead, which is where the finale was back then, and said, oh, how are you after your surgery? And I looked at them, I'm like, how did you know about my surgery? And then it kind of like clicked in that I, Social media I a, told the world thing. that, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And or so, your 800 followers at the time. My 800 followers at the time, yeah. and that was one of them. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was a very eye-opening eye-opening experience at a young age. And I'm glad that I had it because it really made me appreciate. How young were you though? Sorry, at an early stage of social media, not a young age. Yeah. I was. You said 2009. So what, you were, you were 50 then? 52? I mean, compared to me, might as well be. <laughs> this has been another episode of Off Track <laughs> with Hinch and Ross. <laughs> uh, you can all send him hate mail at, uh, um, yes, anyway. <laughs> So yeah, so it was an interesting experience. So that that was kind of like a like a crazy thing for me to really appreciate that people really listen to what you say on social media and know what you're doing if you post it. But man, honestly, like I think we're so lucky to grow up. Don't make an age joke here. Um, to be in the sport of motorsports while the social media kind of revolution happened, because what's so what's so interesting about our sport is if you watch if you sit courtside at a basketball game, right? You see the players. You physically see them. You see sure. how they interact. Yeah. You maybe see how they talk to teammates, to opponents, yeah. to referees. You know what they sound like. You get a sense of who they are. Yeah. In motorsports, if you watch on TV or if you watch at the racetrack, you see a, a 30 car second and a helmet. Interview maybe. And maybe if you win, you get a 30-second interview where all you do is talk about the race, and right. that's it. They don't, they don't know who you are. And so social media has been this awesome tool of really getting drivers and their personalities out to the masses and interacting with fans I think is awesome like imagine when you were a kid if you could have tweeted Michael Schumacher and you might have written back you know that would have been super cool absolutely I mean Tom Brady liked one of my um, Instagram posts no he didn't yes he did no he didn't actually he did which one well, it wasn't mine. It was okay, all Tag right. Hoyer's, Never mind. but I was in it. Never mind. Doesn't <laughs> count. Doesn't count. But yes, that kind of, look, you're excited that he liked a photo you were in that wasn't even your photo. That's that's true. Like, imagine if somebody actually wrote back to you Dude, on Twitter. Couldn't believe it. If Tom Brady right now was like, hey, Alex, great job at Mid-Ohio. Here's my address. Come over. I, that's weird. Hmm. You're taking that. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Tom Brady is, is Alexander Rossi for the restraining order. You want to make sure you put this full name. Uh, but yeah, so like it's for me, I love social media because it's that cool tool. But you do have to yeah. be kind of careful and understand at least for sure what you're really putting out there. I mean, you can't put out pictures of you sitting by the pool, you know, drinking beers and bourbon. Like, because, well, I mean, first of all, we don't do that. But second of all, no, no, because not like season. Because like it's it's something that you know, in terms of our sport, auto racing, there's there's certain do's and don'ts, and it's it's a very interesting thing because things that would be very normal in kind of everyday life, um, and a normal job, you kind of have to take a second look at it, and it's it's always a conundrum that I at least find myself in. It's like, oh, is this socially acceptable to post based on the position that I'm in? But um, with that being said, I think it's it is an amazing tool and something that uh, we are fortunate enough to have to be able to build our brand and hopefully our fan base if we do a good enough job. So we've got to hear like 
about social media and its impact on, on the sport and on you guys. But like, before we wrap this up, I'm really curious to know if there's one interaction you've had with a fan that's really stuck with you in a positive way. Uh, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll take that one off the bat. I mean, I, uh, my, my craziest story is not actually social media driven necessarily, but when I got hurt in, uh, in 2015, the first race that I made it back to was actually, you know, my home race in Toronto. And I'm going to call a spade a spade. I probably was not in a position to be traveling yet, but I convinced the doctor to let me go. Uh, Toronto is normally a very busy week for me. I had a lot of commitments and sponsor obligations, media things, et cetera, et cetera, initially planned. We canceled all of them. The only thing that I didn't cancel was a sweet visit at the racetrack with um, Honda Canada, who host a bunch of kids from the Make-A-Wish Foundation, who they're very involved with. It's something I do every single year, and it's the only thing that I told the team that I wanted to still do, uh, you know, because these kids are going through crazy things. And yeah, fine, I wasn't one hundred percent, but I was I was certainly fine enough to go spend a half an hour with uh, with this group of kids. And I I went there. I had a great time. The kids had a great time. We had a blast. And on the Sunday morning, I got a text from you know, my contact at, at Honda Canada that organizes a lot of these things. And she said, Hey, I've got somebody that wants to meet you. Can I bring them by your bus? So I said, sure, no problem. And, uh, and so Debbie came by with a young girl and her mother. And, uh, the young girl had been involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Um, she had been to the children's hospital in Toronto, which is called Sick Kids, uh, Sick Kids Hospital, she had her first surgery when she was four hours old. She was basically born and put straight into a surgery room. And she was 12 when I met her. And um, when you're at Sick Kids, you get these things called bravery beads. Every time you have a checkup or a surgery or, you know, you have to go back to the hospital for whatever reason. And at 12, Stephanie, who, which is her name, um, had 1,600 bravery beads. And she brought them all. She brought them in a giant shopping bag to show me. And her and her mother were not race fans. They did not come for the race that day. What had happened was uh, Stephanie wasn't feeling well on, on the Friday. So she was supposed to be at the race, but wasn't feeling well. So she didn't make it. But she had heard from her friends in, you know, in the program that this driver who was not feeling well himself, who was still sick, as they put it, um, still came up and, and hung out with them and, and whatever. And she said, that was very brave of you. And so I wanted to come down here and her and her mother drove over an hour to downtown Toronto through the traffic of the race and all that stuff. Didn't even stay for the race. It just came to, to sit with me and she gave me one of her bravery beads. And it was, it was by far the most, the most touching thing that, you know, a fan or, I mean, it, it's tough to compete. It's tough to compete with that. You know, that's, that's one of the most special moments for me. Uh, you still wear that, don't you? So I told Stephanie that I would wear this bead every day until I got back into a race car. And about two months later, I got back into a race car and I looked at it and I was like, I'm not ready to give it up yet. And so I said to myself, okay, I'm going to wear it until I get, into a race again until we get back to the season. So the following March, St. Pete came around and we raced and um, I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't take it off. And so to this day, I wear that same bravery bead 
that she gave me in Toronto in, in 2015 every single day. And it's just a reminder of, of you know, how lucky I am. And, uh, you know, as, as, as bad as some days can get, you know, there are people out there having worse days and it's, it's affected me so greatly. And I, I now see Stephanie every year when we go back for the race and she's all grown up. She's got a dirt bike from Honda now that she's uh, excited to start riding. And I told her she's braver than me for getting on two wheels because <laughs> I'm very much a four wheel guy, but it's, uh, it's just, it was single-handedly the most, uh, the most touching thing and the most memorable thing that's ever happened for me with, with somebody at a track. Is she blown away that you still wear it? Every year she gives me a, a, an upgrade, a new bravery yeah. bee to put on my on my necklace. But I I keep them all. I uh, I haven't traded them out yet. I still have the original one that she gave me. It's faded. You can't read the word bravery on it anymore. But it's still there, and I know what it means, and she knows what it means. And uh, it, one day I might swap it out for one of the new ones. But I see her every year at the race, and and she gives me new beads every year. And and she's just uh, she's a little angel. I absolutely love her. That's awesome, man. Wow. Because I mean, I'm definitely not crying. Uh, yeah. Alex, what about you? <laughs> I mean, so, you know, I was at an event in Orlando earlier this year before the St. Pete race. And um, someone tweeted that she was working at a Pandora in the mall. So this this event was in a mall for, for Tag Heuer. They had just opened up a, a store there. And, yeah, so... Uh, the, the fan, um, she was working and she couldn't get off work and she was like, Hey, I would love it if you came by and said, hi, the thing that, you know, I didn't realize at the time, um, was that she knew that the Borg Warner trophy was actually in the Tag Heuer store with me and I was kind of doing pictures with it. Um, so when I got there, we decided to surprise her with, with, rolling over the the borg warner which is obviously a very unique thing to show up in in an orlando mall um and so like i kind of introduced myself and and said hi and and all this stuff and and heard that you were more interested in seeing um me and the trophy but you couldn't get off work because your manager was was wasn't in that day well she was way more interested in the trophy than she was me and despite the fact that she worked at a jewelry store, I did not get a necklace. Um, but still, it was by far my favorite fan interaction because this was uh, a, like a teenage girl who is not our normal IndyCar demographic, um, who was paying attention because we were leading up to the first race in, in St. Petersburg in March. And kind of reached out via social media, which we've kind of praised um, off and on through this episode. And we were able to kind of deliver for, for her and, and hopefully make her night by bringing her this, the uh, Borg Warner Trophy, which she was super excited to see the likeness of Dario Franchitti and Dan Weldon and Scott Dixon. <laughs> um, and when I was like, do you want to get a picture? She was like, yeah, but, but with the trophy. <laughs> uh, but still it was uh it was cool because the joy on her face when we rolled in the borg warner trophy to a pandora store she was she was pretty pumped you, even though it had nothing to do with me you helped fulfill somebody's dream of seeing the likeness of dario dan and scott i it doesn't Which matter. Makes sense. It doesn't so, matter yeah 
So what's funny is I, I found her profile. She's, she's got a lot of people that follow her in racing. She's at your racing bell. The photo is of her with the Borg Warner, but you're not in it at all. Yeah, no, that's 100% true. Because <laughs> when, I, when I was like, do you want a picture? She was like, yeah. And then she was like really confused that I was in it. <laughs> so then like, I stepped out and obviously she has used... Um, the picture of just her and the Borg Warner solo as her profile pic, which is totally fine. You know, I was I was part of the delivery method yes. that got her that you moment. You contributed and greatly. I, and I feel proud about that. Would you have felt worse if you were I'm, in the, I'm following her. <laughs> would you have felt worse if you had been in the picture, but she just cut you out for her profile? <laughs> no, that actually might have That been might have been worse. Her. Rather than just being no. up front being like, look, I just want a picture no, with the No, true. Trophy. That, that might also be the picture. I don't know. Oh, true. Right? We don't oh. know because there was there was both pictures. I think I. I mean, I. I think I'm. I know. I know her. She could I have know that easily just cropped me out. That's uh. That's that's tough. Oh, at your racing bell, let legs. us know if you would have. It happened. She's probably yeah, at your racing bell. Let us know if you're gonna crop him out or if you would have cropped him out. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know. <laughs> I, I I'm curious, but anyways, I want you to know. That um, at your racing bell, that was one of my favorite fan interactions. So thank you for reaching out to us. And I encourage all IndyCar fans, all Alexander Rossi fans, all Andretti Autosport fans to reach out. And we will do our best to kind of make your day slash evening slash afternoon. This has been Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. You can stay in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is Ask Off Track, or you can take a screenshot of this episode and share it on your Instagram or Snapchat story. We're also taking emails at ask at offtrackpod.com and phone calls at 317-731-2372. If we like what you have to say, we'll mention it on the next show, so you better make it pretty good. We're also individually on Twitter at at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. And if you want to, though we have no idea why you would, you can follow producer Thim at at the Tim Durham. The music you heard on this episode was written by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. And the show is produced by Chris Boniello and Jeff Umbro of the Podglomerate, as well as Thim himself, Tim Durham. We'd also like to thank Breakmaster Cylinder for the jingles. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is a CastBox original. CastBox is the fastest growing and highest rated podcast app on both iOS and Android, where you can find all your favorite podcasts. The Podglomerate. A sonic universe. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.